Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. What's going on, Cecil? Pretty good, Richie, man. It's been a while. How have you been? It's been a little while. It's been good, man. It's been a busy month between watching Cub playoff baseball and uh, conferences, but uh, we're back and we're ready to get this done. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, it's definitely been a little bit, but you know, this episode, I'm so excited to get it out and I'm sure everybody's going to love it. Yeah, man. So, you know, I've been uh, traveling just a little bit, just got back from the past summit uh, in Seattle, Washington, and that is the Global SQL Server Conference. And man, I had a, such a blast there. It's <laughs> such a good time. Really? That's cool. Is that something you do every year or? I've done it. It's my fourth year. I've done it every year. This year, I opted not to uh, present. It was so stressful uh, presenting last year. And I kind of just wanted to take it with the new job. I just want to take a step back and just really enjoy the conference as is. And I was I had a great opportunity to do that. We uh, at Brent OZR Unlimited, we actually had a pre-con. I gave one session and that was good enough for me. And then the rest of the conference was kind of my own to enjoy it, just like a normal conference attendee would. Nice. We had great sessions. The keynotes were great. And but, you know, really, I think my favorite part was kind of after the, the sessions were over and everyone had dinner. There was, a, there was a, a small group of us that would go off into the lobby of the Sheridan and we would sit there and play board games till about midnight. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So it's not often that I can actually go and play some really heavy, you know, kind of heady board games. And, uh, you know, oddly enough, the crew that we were playing with didn't get that opportunity very often either. So we we brought some stuff and we actually were to uh, to play them late at night. And it was such a blast. I had, had such a fun time doing that. What, uh, what games did you guys play? So this one game that we played as a ki- was a Kickstarter game called Vast. It's an asymmetrical game, which means each player has their own win conditions and their own rules. It took us a little while to get it up and running and understand each what each player was supposed to get done. But uh, it's amazing how balanced this asymmetrical game is, where everyone is playing by their own rules. And you know, it, one of these games it went literally to the last turn where everybody had a shot to win. And of course, me being me, pulled out the victory. What's Good job. <laughs> so what you been up to, man? Well, actually, for the past couple of weeks, I've been working on my first online course. Man, wow. I'm, you know, I've actually been talking about it, thinking about it, you know, planning to do one of these for, it feels like years, right? And, you know, I'm really glad I got the opportunity to, to actually finally get this knocked out and get it out the door. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, um, you know, it's, you know, we're going to be going through reviews and, you know, just making sure everything's cleaned up and tightened up. But um, once it's out and it's ready to go, um, I'll let you guys know and, you know, we can check it out and everybody can let me know what you think. Sounds fantastic, man. Yeah, you definitely got to let us all know when that's up and live and running and definitely want to jump all over that. Yes, sir. So we had a contest and uh, why don't you tell us them a little bit more about the contest and about our winner? We did. We did. So the Ultimate Angular Workshop is going to be November 4th through 5th in Tampa Bay, Florida. We actually got a ticket that we were to give away to one of our faithful listeners. So to win the ticket, all you had to do was tweet us at hash angular2. And let us know why exactly do you want to be the person to go to this um, this workshop. 
So the winner is a Mr. Clayton Hunts. So congratulations, Clayton. You won the ticket. And uh, we'll be making sure that you know we get your information and that'll be assigned to you as soon as possible. Excellent, man. Congratulations, Clayton. So who we talked to today, Cecil? So today we're talking to Mr. Frank Kruger. Frank is an independent mobile developer living in Seattle, Washington. He started work as an embedded systems engineer, moved on to be a web developer, and eventually found happiness as an iOS developer. He's written apps such as iCircuit, Kalka, and Continuous. All the while, Frank has enjoyed releasing open source projects and contributing as much as he can to the software development community. His programming interests include computer graphics, simulation, programming languages, and artificial intelligence. While he's not at his computer, you can usually find him hiking around some mountain or sleeping in a tent by the river. Yeah, I really hope he didn't get kicked out of his apartment. Yeah, man. I hope he doesn't get eaten by an alligator or something. Yeah, that's, you know, I don't think they have alligators in Seattle. At least I hope they don't for his sake. What about pythons? They have those there too? Oh man, there's tons of pythons up there, man. He's, he's, <laughs> he's screwed, man. He's so, so screwed. <laughs> this episode is recorded on August 15th, 2016. And now our conversation with Frank Krueger. And now, away from the keyboards feature conversation. So for our show today, I'd like to welcome the special guest, Mr. Frank Kruger. So Frank, why don't you tell uh, everybody who you are and, uh, you know, welcome to Away From The Keyboard, man. Hey, thanks for having me. My name is Frank Kruger. I'm from Seattle, Washington. I'm an independent developer there. I mostly work on iOS apps these days, but I do a lot of other little crazy things on the side too, including other platforms. Uh, independent developer for about 11 years and going strong. Going to keep doing it. Nice. And so, Frank, I know you have a, looks like you have a pretty extensive history of releasing apps. But before <laughs> we even get to that, I really want to talk a little bit about your history and, and kind of how you even got to building apps. And, you know, uh, like, where did, your, where did your programming history really start? <laughs> well, I, I think we're all the same age. So I'm a child of the 80s, so started with BASIC on an Apple II. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Except one little problem with that was my family had a PC. So I learned cross-platform development quite quickly because I had to take all my Apple programs and learn how to get them running in, uh, what was it, GB Basic and Q Basic, those things. So I started out there somehow. <laughs> uh, from there, I uh, fell in love with video games at some point. Um, I think every kid does. And then never never was really interested in programming until one day I wanted to create my own art for a video game. Oh, and okay. yeah, from there, it was a rabbit hole. <laughs> we find a lot of folks that we've spoken to recently seem to have you know, gotten their inspiration from video games. Yeah, there's not much else a 12-year-old who loves computers does. <laughs> I mean, I would go around, I would write basic programs on all my family's computers that would fill up their hard drives, and that's basically all I could think to do with basic. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, uh, let's see. I st- stuck with the video games. Eventually, I, I grew up and learned Visual Basic. That was a big change. Yeah. Yeah, That was those were great times. I think I had the most fun as a programmer back then. Yeah. I'd, I built so many apps. It was just very prolific time. <laughs> well, it, it was that time when it was the, you know, it was the, the rapid application development era, right? Where it was a lot of yeah. drag and drop controls and, you know, let's, let's crank out these apps really quickly type, time period. 
Yeah, and I remember a friend, another friend would make fun of me and says, oh, you don't know how to program. You only know how to drag and drop. <laughs> All right, I'll take that. Actually, I took that as a challenge, and I learned C++ after that. Because oh. according to him, if I learned C++, then I was a real programmer. So, Oh, okay, okay. There you go. <laughs> So did you did you build a lot of apps in C plus plus? None. That's right. Oh my god, what a productivity I hit I took. I mean, yeah, I went from just turning out these cute little apps that would do all sorts of little things to I don't even know how to get a window on the screen anymore. That's right. <laughs> What's this window handle you keep speaking? <laughs> Why of? does it crash every time I try to show a window? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I would go to um, the computer store and read Charles Petzold's book because I couldn't afford it, but I still wanted to learn it. So I would just read it chapter by chapter. Every time my family would go there, I'd read another chapter. (laughs) Actually, I I somewhat abandoned ship at this point. I was a little frustrated with C++, so I started learning, uh, I call it Delphi, but Delphi, Borland's Delphi. Yep, Right, right, yep. Oh, that thing was awesome because you had the drag and drop of Visual Basic, but you had the fast compiled code. Because at this point, I had gotten the ugly C++ bug where all I wanted to do was write faster and more efficient programs. I stopped caring about user interfaces and they just had to be fast. So Delphi was great for that. It was compiled and awesome. And Delphi came with a ton of controls too, right? Awesome. The huge library. Actually, as a Visual Basic person, I was astounded because Visual Basic came with like 30 or something and Delphi came with hundreds. It was fantastic. And there was a large community. There was a component store way ahead of its time. Yeah, I remember that uh, there was uh, companies when I just first started off in in, uh, in IT back in the mid-90s. There were a couple companies that I, I had talked to and they actually had adopted Delphi as opposed to Visual Basic because of the large amount of controls and they had the source for those controls. That's so right. I forgot about that. Turn, they could manipulate them however they wanted and do all that. And I'm like, well, that's really interesting. It was, yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you're just following Anders Heidberg uh, uh, along, right? Turbo <clears throat> Pascal, then over to Delphi. True. There was, there was a, a little detour, though. Um, I got to do an internship and, well, actually, uh, a few detours. <laughs> and uh, I was a roommate with an MIT student. And they got me hooked on the classical programming languages like Lisp and Lisp and the other variants of Lisp. <laughs> <laughs> So that was fun for me, though, because I was more of um, I was I was taking electrical engineering at the time. I I was really kind of fighting the programmer side of me. I didn't want to dwell too much on it. But when he introduced me to that stuff, I just flipped out. I, I read the structure and interpretation of computer programming. I've read it multiple times now. It's one of my favorite books. And I just kept pushing, pushing. I was uh, a funny incident happened. I, I failed a programming interview, and it really made me mad. Um, I'd been programming for years, and I felt like I knew everything, but somehow I still failed this interview. And so I spent the next year of my life reading every classical <laughs> computer science book I could find. Wow. <laughs> I well, really don't like losing. <laughs> How did you determine you know, what you needed to, to read? Oh, it was obvious. After this interview, um, they asked me, in retrospect, a bunch of simple questions, but I didn't have the vocabulary. I'd written huge programs. I had a lot of open source stuff. I was managing projects. I just didn't have the vocabulary of a programmer. I didn't know what they were talking about. So it asked me a question about a linked list. And first I was like, 
what's a linked list? And then once, once it was explained to me, then I could write this stuff, but I just showed my stupidity by, or ignorance by not knowing the terms that they wanted. Mm. And so some so, of the concepts. <laughs> so what kind of books did you take off the shelf and say, okay, let me, let me <laughs> dig into this? Um, I became a big fan of Nicholas Wirth. Uh, he created Pascal and Modula and Oberon. Um, he was uh, a very powerhouse computer scientist back in the day, and he was also a very good author. I had a hard time because I was mostly book taught in this realm, that I needed good explanations, and I just found that his explanations were fantastic. And then I dove into all the others. I did Knuth, I did um, Beekstra, I did, um, oh, you name it. Basically, if it was written before the 70s, I read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so out of all those languages that you've picked up in that period of time what would you say is your favorite language to write code in oh lord <laughs> that's Uh-oh. not a fair question Uh-oh. <laughs> this is like sophie's choice here <laughs> yeah i love them all <laughs> you can pick a couple that's fine i can pick a couple uh there's some elegant ones i do like functional programming so i do like my lisps they're they're very old but they're very powerful and they're very simple and they're just fun but i don't use them in day-to-day work so i've stuck to net it's um as a c programmer it felt like a really natural progression to pick up c sharp and i spent a good 10 years of my professional career doing c sharp so that's the one Follow that it. i fall back to Following Anders again. <laughs> yes, sir. Now that you pointed out, it's feeling a little awkward because I do like TypeScript <laughs> too. <laughs> you little fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> you need idols. It's very important. <laughs> you have a little programming crush here? <laughs> uh, no, because I, I won't name the real names who I have the crushes on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that one for off the record. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but a funny thing happened in my career, too. Uh, I went to go work at General Motors, and I learned how to do embedded systems programming. Oh, okay. And so I spent a lot of time learning assembly, learning how low-level computers work, how to manipulate them, how to build circuits, that kind of stuff. So I, I take that as a large influence on me that I basically have no fear of program compilers or code or anything like that just because i've seen every bit i've programmed eproms i've whatever done it all so it feels quite natural so it sounds like you have a a pretty good balance so you not only have a grasp of building business applications but it sounds like you've really dug into hardware too yeah i loved hardware um i i still love hardware uh i love if nothing else, I'm happiest when I see one of my programs interacting with the real world. So my favorite is just the blinking LED. You know, anyone who's done that example, I think they all get the same thrill that I did. It's like, wow, it's actually in the real world, not just stuck in this stupid computer. And so I've always loved the hardware side. So do you think that's what drove you to start building apps for iOS and uh, and, and um, OS X? No, it was actually a little different than that. Um, I fell in love with the device. Uh, maybe they're similar. Maybe maybe my passion for hardware does influence that. But it was really, I, I didn't have an original iPhone. I had the iPod Touch, the big colorful one, the iPhone without the phone. Mm-hmm. And I still loved it, though. I, it was the device I had wanted ever since I was a child. It was, it was the one I always wanted. It was a powerful computer in my hand with a touchscreen and a beautiful screen. It was just, 
happy days. I just needed a good way to program it. And so I just, it was the device. So do you remember what your first um, mobile iOS app was? <laughs> yeah, I spent so much time on it. I, I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> what did you build? <laughs> I wrote a Seattle bus tracker. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. And the thing that I'm most proud about it is it didn't use the scheduled data. It actually tracked all the buses all day long and logged all that data and then built very big heuristics, kind of like a machine learning thing, a prediction model for every bus at every time of day, given the day of the week. And I love that app so much. It would nail a bus within like five seconds of you could stand here. It would say five seconds away, five, four, three, two, one, bus would go by. I was so proud of it. Oh, no, that's very cool. And then I got to geek out because I I was a graphics programmer. I wrote my own map for it. I wrote, it was a little 3D engine, so it would have little actual 3D buses driving along on the road. And I just spent way too much time on that stupid app. Oh, see, there you go. I was wondering where the game programmer was going to come out. Uh Uh-huh. Every app I do needs some 3D in it because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's what I love. <laughs> See, in Miami, that'd be really easy because there's like one bus. Oh. <laughs> but you could make it really beautiful with like a setting yeah. sun over a palm tree. I yeah, was all with, with graffiti on the side. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I used to anger my friend because I insisted on putting a vignette on it, like a, a, a photo vignette. He's like, why are you putting a vignette on an app? I'm like, because it's prettier. <laughs> I, was totally into, I just love design. So you build a lot of apps for for the the Apple world. Like, do you do you mm-hmm. build apps for other platforms too? I do, I do. Uh, oddly enough, I still do a tiny bit of work for General Motors from time to time. I maintain a large C app on Windows, so I keep my Win thirty two knowledge up to date constantly. Uh, so I, I circuit one of my larger apps. I actually got that onto Windows Phone and Windows eight. I need to get that onto UWP so you can do circuit analysis on the Xbox. It's very important. And then uh, uh, Kalka, my uh, math text editor, that one's on Windows also. Okay. It's once you've gotten the bug, I, you try to write things for all the platforms. But as an independent single developer, it's hard to maintain them all. So I have to be a little choosy about what platforms I support. Sure, sure, sure. I liked Kalka. I like Kalka a lot. Oh, you played with you. it? Yeah. Oh, nice. I, <laughs> that one, I'm so happy to hear when other people like it because that was purely an app I wrote for myself. I was like, I need an app that works this way. I'm going to sell it because I've spent a lot of time on it. Let's see if anyone else <laughs> likes it. <laughs> see, now I'm going to have to get an iPad so I can download it and try it out. It's Yeah, it's a great little app uh it's really nice on the mac too you can do a key binding and do math real fast sure so so just for our, our guests that are listening why don't you give us a little bit of a brief description about what calca does exactly oh okay uh it's always a little tricky to explain but i'll start with it's a large text editor and it's actually a markdown editor so you can do somewhat formatted text in it but then more importantly within that you can just start typing math in it so you could type two plus two and then you give it this little um, little equals operator that you do, and it'll show you the answer. And the neat thing is, as you edit the document, it's always updating the answer. So there's no like run step or anything. And the idea here is not only can you write out some equations trying to solve a little problem, but you can write some markdown explaining it and things like that. It's really taken... 
it, it's some old ideas I read from Knuth. It's his literate programming style, yeah. but I put it in a better UI, I think, than uh, some of the other ones. And I also call it a poor, poor man's Mathematica because I really could use Mathematica, but I can't afford it. So <laughs> this is what I got. I wrote my own. Right. <laughs> it's kind of interesting you, you, the way that you described it because when you, when you were talking about it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Python notebooks and, uh, yes. even the Xamarin, um, Xamarin has their, I think they're called yes. worksheets or something like that. Uh, yeah, exactly. They used to call them sketches and now they're workbooks, I think. Right. There you go. Yep. Like um, Excel. Yeah. They they look a lot like a Kelka document. <laughs> That's oh. all I'll say. <laughs> okay. Not that you had anything to do with that, of course. No, <laughs> no it, it's it's just a nice idea. Apple did it too, yeah. Uh with um with Swift, right? Yep. Uh Swift Playgrounds will even be on the iPad soon, but they didn't go the literate style. I was a little sad about that. Oh mm. I'll shoot, I take that back. I, they might. So I have a little competition on the iPad now. Uh oh. It's okay. It's a small company. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have my resources. <laughs> we'll just stick the lawyers on them. Yeah. I do. The moment that L word comes up, I shy down. Like, yeah, whatever you want, Apple. <laughs> well, thanks for talking to you, man. Uh, <laughs> so, Frank, you know, you mentioned a little while ago that you've you've been a freelance slash independent developer for a little bit. So, mm-hmm. how did you go from being an employee? To, yeah. you know, deciding that, hey, I want to work for myself and, you know, kind of do my own thing. Yeah. Um, uh, fortunately, I had some help. I had a friend kind of egging me on. Um, but just to give you context, I was out of college for one year. I was working at Microsoft and it, I learned a lot. I was really excited. Um, like I said, <laughs> learned how the professionals do it. It was, it was quite a learning experience for me. Yep. But at a year, I was feeling a little um, restless. <laughs> it was such a good job. Um, they had all the benefits. It was a good team. Uh, I, I was, I think, a little too happy was the issue. And so I needed a change. And an opportunity came up uh, to do some controls work, some hardware work again in India. So I quit my job, started a company in India, and went there to work on naval ships. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you, you moved to India? I didn't quite move to India. I just spent a lot of time there. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, it was good. I, I, I got a team of engineers. I got to design a system from scratch. It was a very complex system. It was a lot of learning. I got to apply pretty much all my skills to it. Uh, even skills I picked up at Microsoft um, and just, wow, had a blast, learned a lot, that kind of thing. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> learned a culture. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. What was it like for you, like, you know, spending so much time in a in another country? <laughs> it was an eye-opener <laughs> for a, a kid from New York, uh, not, not the city of New York, uh, upstate New York, spent all his life there. So it was an eye-opener to see a new country and a whole new culture and a whole new way of doing things. Um, I have lots of funny stories from it. I was actually working for a military contract, so it was very important that I not get sick. So I'd always have like someone watching over my back that I would steal, or not steal, but go buy some street food because mm-hmm. I love Indian food and the best Indian food is bought at all the little street stations and everything. Yeah. 
but you get sick on that stuff. <laughs> so I would have handlers just yelling at me, chasing me down, eyeing me, <laughs> and I'd be trying to sneak away and try to get some delicious food, and they would just yell at me. Then I'd have some of my workers go buy it for me, and we'd have to sneak it out <laughs> back. It was fun. That's funny. What are some of the things like, you'd like to eat over there? Oh, I'm going to butcher every name I possibly try to say. but You can describe uh, it say, if you can't remember the name. That's okay. I, for breakfast, though, my, my favorite thing was a nice large dose, uh, a, a very large thin pancake that you can get. And they'll either put onions in it and there'll be some kind of chutney to put with it. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I wish I could have that for breakfast every day. It was really wonderful. Wow. And so how long were you over there for? Uh, the first time, I think it was just like three months, something like that. Okay. Um, so I got there. I was brought into uh finish or fix a project that had been started quite a few years ago and I was brought in to kind of just rewrite it from scratch and fortunately we were, I was able to do that but we didn't get one of the contracts so I had to back off from that uh, but we kept working on naval ships for quite a while though right 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 and so then I'm guessing you moved back to the United States and started you know continued your work over here yeah, moved back, but became a web developer of all things. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I kind of made a conscious, uh, both me and my friend made conscious de- decisions not to work for militaries anymore. So I had to do something else. And what? There was a lot of money going around back then. So if you yeah. become a web developer, I just needed some money. So that's what I did. But that was also good because I hadn't done any web programming up to that point. So I got to learn all that technology. Just a good learning experience again. It kind of sounds like you've touched almost every vertical software <laughs> development, right? It's so, kind of my goal, actually. Right. So you've built <laughs> games, you've done mobile, you've done mm-hmm. web, you've done hardware. You've, you know, is there, at, am I missing I've, anything? Or I've worked at a bank. I've worked at JP Morgan. I've worked in the mortgage department doing reports. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Wow. I I also um with a friend write help write a little telecom. So a little voice over IP telephone company. So I get to work on that from time to time too. Well, okay. So and then I have all my open source projects and my personal interests. Wow. And so now are you still working contracts or are you no. like what are you doing right now? I do my very best to avoid contracts. Um, I, I do my very best to write apps, release them, beg people to buy them, and then try to live off of that income. And oh, it's okay. not always easy, yeah, <laughs> but it, it's worked for me over the last few years. Really? So how do you even get to, like, how do you start working on a plan like that for your business? I'm guessing, because I'm, I'm sure you have to kind of project how much do I need to... <laughs> sell this app for how many units yeah. of this i need to sell you know what i mean like, oh yeah you, you should have seen the beautiful spreadsheets i came up with when i was writing my first app they were um thorough detailed i had error bars on them because i'm an engineer i know how to do a proper report okay. and it's all just bs i mean there's no truth to it there's no experience to it it was quite a joke so i wrote plenty of business plans plenty of projections but it's all wrong the truth on my side was I had to cash in my entire savings account, all stocks I owned, all 401ks, turned in every favor I had to every friend. I was broke for two years and slowly but surely just pulled myself up out of the mud and got profitable. Right, 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 right. 
Yeah, there's no easy path to starting a business. I mean, especially if you self-fund, um, especially if you've had bosses and other people to sell your products for you in the past. It's so much easier, but when you're thrown in, it takes quite a while to learn. Sure. And then you never, you never considered doing like a Kickstarter or a fund, GoFundMe or any this of those was, type of things? This was early for that. This is like 2006, 7, 8, something oh, okay. like that. Yeah. So it was too early. Now what I did do, I was, I went to one of the first startup schools that Paul Graham had. I was mm-hmm. a big Paul Graham devotee also. And so I went to the early Y Combinator schools and tried to get a feel for what that side was because I had considered the venture capital side. Right. I just always felt like they want a product. I wanted to sell them me. I wanted to be like, hey, I'll just make you neat things and I'm sure they'll do fine. But right. I don't think that's what they want to hear on Silk and, <laughs> and the venture capital world. Sure, sure. So and it's just you, right? You're working solo? It, it was a friend also at, at, in the very beginning. Okay. Yep, helping out. That that's a, also a huge relief when you're starting a business. Have someone else along with for the ride. Right. At least you can complain to each other. Well, also too, that you know, for that emotional support, right? Like completely. Oh, and but you also have fights too. <laughs> we almost ended our friendship a couple times. Uh oh. <laughs> but that's what I mean by uh, cashing in all debts, and <laughs> there's many stages you have to go through when starting a business. So what made you continue on? Uh, you know, two years seems like a, a you know a long time. What yeah. what uh, what have you keep going on and and not just saying, well, forget it. I'm just gonna get a job. Yeah, I I totally hit a low point. It was when I literally had no money to pay rent, and then I was like, wow, this is a new situation. I've had a pretty privileged life up to this point, <laughs> and so a lot of realities really settled in. Um, my first reaction was I went and got a contract gig because, you know, a programmer, you can usually get something. And I went to actually and did a contract at Microsoft, but I lasted one week. And <laughs> what I discovered was I'm not very good at having a boss anymore or working with others anymore, mm-hmm. which is kind of unfortunate. But um, so I quit that job after a week and just kind of had a talk with myself and said, you can have three more months to become profitable. At the three-month mark, you got to go do something terrible. And no matter how terrible it is, you just got to do it. And so I gave myself a three-month pad, three more months to accomplish what I had in two years. And two, two good things happened at that point. Um, one was the iPad came out, and I also fell in love with that thing. And I wrote my first properly profitable app on it as in I made some money that was not insubstantial and so that gave me a spark of hope and then the other one was um, I actually told my friends this is kind of something important if if you kind of have a goal just tell your friends and I said to them like I actually want to make money in three months (laughs) and it was great Um, I had one especially a, a good friend on IRC and he was always encouraging me and trying to push me forward to you know Keep just release something. Keep trying. Keep trying. Try to make this work. And it looks like you've made some pretty good apps. I mean, thanks. <laughs> like you have Calca, this Ice Circuit. And then- Honestly, once I stopped working on that stupid bus app, <laughs> <laughs> my brain kind of freed up, and I was able to work work on other things. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So I want to talk a little bit about your most recent app that you you just put out, um, Continuous. Could you tell us a little bit about what that is? 
Uh, continuous is an IDE to write C sharp and dot net, uh, C sharp and F sharp code on your iPad and on your iPhone if you have really good eyesight. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it's, I tried to make like a traditional dot net IDE. So something someone who uses Visual Studio would be comfortable in and a Xamarin Studio user would feel comfortable in. I wanted, I wanted people to have what they're used to on this new kind of cool device. And so I wrote basically a tiny version of Visual Studio. At the same time, it has some neat little whiz-bang features in it in that it's constantly compiling your code and always trying to run your code because I'm a very impatient person and I just want to see results immediately. Right. So I kind of took the ideas of Kelka and tried to apply them to .NET programming. So what kind of gave you the inspiration to, to put an IDE on a mobile device? <laughs> Again, it was the device. So I, okay. yeah, <laughs> I'm a real sucker for hardware. Um, right. Yeah, I, I got this, uh, the big iPad Pro, the huge one. Mm -hmm. And I really loved it. I just loved using it. I loved having such a large touchscreen in front of me. But uh, for kind of the same reasons I wrote iCircuit, I got kind of bored on the iPad because there was so many consumption apps as in I could watch movies, I could kind of play video games, I could do all these things, but I was getting kind of bored because I like to solve like problems and puzzles and do little engineering. That's what I find fun and relaxing. And so I decided that I needed uh, something that I could do professional work right. with on the iPad. So I said, no one else is going to write this. I'll write it. Mm. I just didn't have. There, I'm also a sucker for when I have a tech, a tech demo that works. And I was really proud of myself that I was able to get the compilers and a few other things running on the device that I just said, the world needs to see this. It's really cool. It does sound pretty cool. I can imagine there was a lot of technical difficulties that you had yeah <laughs> technical hurdles particularly based around apple's licensing and what you can and cannot do on their devices. oh yeah yeah this would be pretty easy if i was writing like a windows application uh this probably would have taken half the time it's oh. yeah just facing apple's limitations the good thing is i've been dealing with apple for the last whatever like six or eight years and i've kind of internalized all their rules so i kind of know how to work or navigate that forest of rules so I didn't, I didn't start the app in full earnest until i was pretty sure i could accomplish what i wanted within the rules right right so how long did that take you you know <laughs> to, to, to to convince yourself that hey creating my own ide on the ipad is a good idea one month <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> really? What was involved in that? Because I just, I think, wow, an, an IDE on an iPad yeah. Pro, that sounds kind of crazy. It was. And, and then I would go to sleep. But <laughs> what was, what was your thought process there? Um, I'm, I'm actually, I was working on a different app. Uh, I've continuously been working on a, a robotics kind of application, and there were some technological pieces that I wanted it to have. And I decided, okay, these are really hard technical hurdles. And that technical hurdle was executing .NET code uh, without it being pre-compiled. Technical stuff, sorry about that. But um, I, I, it was hard. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. I didn't know how to do it. Um, but I thought, let's just work on it for two days and see how far we get. So I worked on it for two weeks, and <laughs> I was pretty happy with the results. 
I had never seen something like that actually work. And so it was just thrilling, like I said, to have that tech demo work. And once I had that tech demo, I just said, this has to be an app. So who would you say this app is, is for? Like, who would, you, who would you suggest download this? Is this for people that are learning? Is it for, you know, the professionals or for hobbyists? Like, who would you really want to, like, pick up this app and really dig into it? I really hope that people who do user interface work would actually give it a shot. Let me actually start with what I usually say to people. If you love C Sharp and you love your iPad, then this app is for you because those are the two things I loved and I made an app to make those work. But right. there's multiple reasons why you could love C Sharp. If you're learning, it's a good, simple language to learn. It, the syntax isn't too bad. It's a lot like Swift, so it's a lot like Java. It's a good language to learn in the beginning because you can translate those skills to a lot of different places. At the same time, I think I expose the capabilities of the device nicely through IntelliSense and things like that. So I think it becomes easier to learn APIs. I used to make a joke when I first started uh, writing iOS apps, I did it in Objective-C like everyone else. Right. I had to learn Objective-C, and that took quite a while. But the real stumbling block was I was having trouble learning all the APIs. But when Xamarin came out, which is um, .NET on iOS, they actually had IntelliSense. So when I typed an object dot, it would tell me all the things that that object could do. And it was only then that I actually learned <laughs> learned the API. What is this machine, what is this device actually capable of? And so I think that just that explore, spirit of exploration, this app is perfect for. Um, I'm even finding new things that I didn't know before just uh, playing around in the app. It's so funny how much we take IntelliSense for granted, but that that little dot in autocomplete exposes so much stuff to you that if you and think about it, like if there's no documentation or there's nothing for you to read, like that's all you have. Yeah, and, and good IntelliSense is important because the old version of old versions of Xcode, you would do that, but it would give you a list of 100,000 things and you didn't know where to begin and all the names were weird. So organizing that list nicely, presenting it nicely so that you can understand it and having links to the documentation. Oh, it's really changed programming. I don't know how those VI people do it. (laughs) Back in my day, we didn't have IntelliSense. (laughs) We had books and we liked it. Uh huh. And then you can show them a video from a 1960s Lisp machine that did have it, but you know. (laughs) Oh, nice. Hey, what's your excuse now, buddy? You missed it. (laughs) I was too busy sorting my punch cards. Yeah. Uh (laughs) So, Frank, I want you to walk me through what does your day look like as an independent developer? Uh Like, how do you, you know, what is the first thing you do and do you have, you know, how do you organize what gets done when and your timelines and, and all of this other types of things? Okay, so before I embarrass myself by talking about my day, I'll, I'll do the second question first. The um, I keep lots of lists, basically. Um, I've tried very complex systems like bug trackers and issue trackers and I spent my time prioritizing things and doing estimates and none of that really worked as well as just keeping lists. So for every app I I release, it has two lists, the list of things that need to be done and the list of things that I hope to do in the future. So a wish list and an active list. Okay. Pretty easy. I think that's pretty standard these days. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I do that for every app, which is unfortunately a lot of lists. <laughs> so I keep kind of two, two, uh, meta lists of apps that are actually important right now and that need attention. And so things bubble up to that. And so I always have something reliable. If I'm ever bored, if I ever don't know what to work on, I can always just go to those. Do you use anything like Trello or any type of software like that to help organize? Or is it pretty much just like a memo, memo pad kind of, kind of thing? Yeah, like I said, in, in the beginning, I tried the sophisticated stuff. Uh, I used a, a Fog Creek Fogbugs from Fog Creek for a yeah. while. Yeah, and and Trello looks good. It's still a little too much for me. I actually use an app called Clear uh, for the Mac. Yeah, Clear, just C L E A R. C L E A R. <laughs> it's for the Mac and it's for iOS. It syncs over iCloud. That's why I like it. It, it runs everywhere. Every oh, computer cool. I touch. And the cool thing about it is it's so simple. Uh, you drag down and now you're entering new text. You type some new text. You hit enter. Now it's saved. Now it's permanent. It's on all my machines. It's just a simple, pretty UI. And I'm in love with it because simplicity seems to work for me. Anytime you add complexity, it just becomes overhead. I, uh, I start the day pretty early because I find that I'm a better programmer in the morning than I am at night or anything. And so I try to start out early. So I'll wake up out of bed and actually do a tiny bit of work before even like properly getting dressed or eating or doing anything proper. I actually keep a separate private office uh, from my apartment. And so I just have a nice little two-mile walk to my office in the morning. Oh, okay. So that actually sounds like a good time for you to kind of, I'm guessing, clear your head or you know, oh, kind of helps you focus in a little bit. It's great. I, I start by listening to a podcast and get there. And then eventually I'll start to daydream and start to think about what I actually need to accomplish that day. The reason why I find this story so interesting is because I know so many developers are like, I wish I could stay home and write what I want to write, build what I mm. want to build and sell mm. it. Yeah, so and, easy. And you're the only person that I know that's actually doing it, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's unfortunately and actually making money a doing it, obviously. Club. Yeah, it, it's hard. I, I got very lucky with um, iCircuit and the iPad. So I released iCircuit just a month after the iPad. So it grew with the iPad, basically. Right. And that's that was a fantastic revenue driver for just forever. Okay. Um, so I... At the same time, you see other people who are working more steadily to it. Uh, the first app that I wrote was actually making $40 a day. And I said, okay, that is not enough to live on, but this is actual money. This is not like $10 a week or $10 a month, which sometimes happens when you release an app. And so I got the ethic there of, okay, worst case scenario, I have to write four of these things and, you know, slowly add up. And there are a lot of developers out there taking that route of just trying to build it up and build it up because it's, it's hard to get a little hit or something like that. So you just, you keep pushing, you just keep pushing. But like I said, unfortunately, it is a smaller club. Right, right. So earlier today, actually, we put out a tweet earlier asking some folks online if they had any questions they wanted to ask you. So I kind of wanted to, to look at two of these really quickly. Cool. Um, one of these questions, I think we kind of sort of answered already. Um, this one is from Jacob Fashi. I, I'm hoping I'm saying this guy's <laughs> name right. But he says, as much as Frank is willing, would he share how he makes his income as an indie dev? And how does he split his time between products? 
Yeah, uh, great question. Um, I wish, let's see, I don't want to give numbers or anything, but I still do make the majority of my money off of uh, iCircuit, uh, this app that I wrote six years ago. So that's been a really good uh, windfall for me. Then um, I have have a lot of apps, to be honest, but I only have a few that I consider the big apps, and it's Telka, iCircuit, and now Continuous. Okay. And so those ones, they're kind of, because my whole business runs off of them, they're, they get priority over pretty much everything, all the other apps. Uh, so that's just how you have to devote your time like that. You have to stick with where the money is. Yeah. We have a, another question from a Mr. Jamie. Oh, uh, let me not say Mr. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we have another question from Jamie West. Would Frank ever consider open sourcing continuous to allow for developer mm-hmm. contributions? That's an interesting question. It is. And um, I've actually considered it. I'm not completely opposed to it. I've had a few incidents in the past that have burnt me a tiny bit in that someone just rebranded something that I wrote and released it. And so as a business person, it's a little nerve-wracking for me. I mean... <laughs> that day when I couldn't pay my rent from an empty bank account, it kind of sticks with you. And so I'm a little bit on the conservative side when it comes to running a business and things like that. And so I consider it a lot. I've even, um, there's a component of it, the interpreter, the thing that actually does most of the magic. Um, that part I've really considered and most likely will open source. But the whole app together... It's it's a current trend, but I'm back and forth on it. Yeah. It's a possibility. I, I would have to see some real interest in it before I just, just <laughs> dumped out away. six months of code <laughs> and yeah. pain and torture. Oh God, it was so much work. <laughs> I mean, what would be great is if you know you could get a company to sponsor you, and then mm. you know that'll be that'll be an interesting scenario if that's be that'll that'll be something you'd be open to. I'm open to all things. As a businessman, do not <laughs> shut doors. <laughs> you, like my, you like my project? Sure. Let's, <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> let's have a conversation. Okay? Yeah, that's a learning lesson. Going from a programmer to someone who actually can just do deals and <laughs> say yes to things. It's okay. been quite a learning experience there, too. So, Frank, we've spoken a lot about your, obviously, your your work history, you know, start learning, <laughs> that type of thing. I want to know a little bit more about, like, what are some of the things you do when you're not writing code? Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Sleeping? No. Sleeping is good. <laughs> no. Um, I, I have a few small interests. I actually, I, I live in Seattle, like I said, and we have gorgeous mountains and gorgeous scenery around. So I try to do a lot of hiking, especially in the summer, hiking and camping and basically just walking. I just love walking. So that's why I have my four miles of walking with work, and then I walk around the city, and then we just go on nice hikes on the weekends. In fact, I tried to do Mount Rainier in June. Do you know Mount Rainier? Yeah, I've heard about it. I've never been there, though. It's uh, 14,000 feet. It was my first... um, I did Kilimanjaro in Africa a couple years ago, but that guy's pretty easy. Rainier, oh, I I died on Rainier. <laughs> I went with a group of group of uh, there were four of us and none of us made it to the top. I didn't even make it to base camp, so I got my butt kicked by a mountain. So Ooh. I got some was it humble. the altitude or uh, it was a mixture of things. Number one, I didn't take the mountain seriously. I didn't train well enough. Period. Full stop. Mm. Uh, number two was we had some terrible weather uh, from the moment we stepped 
out onto the mountain, you know, out of the vehicle, onto the mountain. It was raining and snowing, and you had two feet of visibility. So it was all that up a giant snow field and rock thing. And it was miserable. And on top of that, I got a cold. So I had a nice little chest infection. So I couldn't breathe. And it just, it didn't work out. (laughs) I just spiraled down from there. But I still love hiking. Um, It's my one favorite pastime. And then on top of that, I I do some martial arts. I like to do a lot of sword play and fighting, that kind of stuff. Oh, really? What, um, what style do you, do you practice? Uh, focus mostly on seven star praying mantis, which is kind of a hybrid style a little bit, but it's a, it's a Shaolin style, a Chinese, a Southern Chinese, uh, style, lots of weapons, lots of tough training. My knees are completely shot because of it, but (laughs) it's still good. Right. Do you compete at all or do you kind of just do it for the exercise? No, I only competed in college and (laughs) as an engineering student, getting the concussions all the time was not fun. (laughs) Not being able to walk, not being able to use my hand to write on the test, that always stunk. (laughs) I remember I really, really mashed up my hand once and then had to go take a test and I was miserable. Ouch. Yeah, so I don't do that anymore. (laughs) So no, I just do it to keep healthy now. Okay. Yeah. And and I know you... um... You also started a podcast recently, right? Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, James Montemagno in Seattle, he and I started a .NET meetup group once a month. You can just come hang out with us. And we just wanted to, we were both working from home at the time and we just wanted to meet other people in the community. And fortunately, it's gone on for two years. Nice. And two years ago, we decided we wanted to do a podcast. It took us forever to actually get off our butts and do it, but we finally did. And we have a podcast out there called Merge Conflict, and you can see it at mergeconflict.fm. And it's just you know a bunch of nerds talking, or the two two nerds talking. Oh yeah. So you you guys cover any particular type of topics, or is it just like any 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 technology is is fair game? We are sticking to programming for the most part, just so we're not talking completely off the top of our heads or anything like that. It's what we both know best, but we, we try to keep it fun. And I'm a technologist. He's a technologist. We just love, you know, stuff. So that comes out hopefully in it. I'd like to thank Frank for being a guest on the show. It was great to have the opportunity to chat with him. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com. And also, remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, and on Twitter at AFTKpodcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where you get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next on Away From The Keyboard... We'll have Alturo Riata. And about two weeks after I returned um, from that trip, I got a call from David offering me a job here at Harvard as a full-time member of the team. And that was, you know, needless to say, very exciting. It's going to be another fun one. See you next time. Bye. Peace. to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. 
As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego.